Well, good morning, everybody. McCoy is my name, and uh, it's good to be back. And uh, after a few weeks away on study break and to be in worship with this church family I love, it's good to see every one of you, and I hope uh, you and yours are well. You know, I'm thankful uh, for the opportunity to uh, refuel, recharge, sometimes uh, fasting, praying, planning, looking toward the future, asking the Lord for his direction, a little opportunity to be with family on vacation and visit some churches, and all that occurred over the last month. And so I'm grateful for that. It's good to go away. It's better to come back. It's great to be in worship with this church family uh, this morning. And I want you to know that over the last four weeks, I have listened online to the messages that were heard here at Ingleside, and I am so thankful for our pastoral team and the great biblical teaching that has occurred here. And if you agree with me that it was great, why don't you show your appreciation to that group of uh, pastors? Would you do that? You know, um, I, I was just so blessed by the preaching and teaching from Isaiah and about the one another's and new covenant blessings from 2 Corinthians and being an ambassador of Christ. And I, if you haven't listened to those messages, I encourage you to go to our website, go to our app and listen to each one of them. They'd be well worth your time. And I also got to listen to the playback of the music for worship times. And I don't know how you feel about it, but my sense was that the summer shakeup of our schedule during July where we were all together in one service and on the platform there was big Wednesday-like leadership with children and students and adults and singers and players all under the direction of Pastor Jonathan, our worship arts pastor. I thought it was fabulous and I think you ought to say thanks to Pastor Jonathan and that team as well. I am really, really grateful. Uh, for them. I, um, I, I'll tell you though, I just have to tell you that uh, from being away a few weeks and participating uh, virtually, I was really thankful for that. But there is a difference between participating virtually and being in person, is there not? And it is so good to be able to be in the room and to be able to uh, sense and see and feel and hear. And it just leads me to say to everybody who's watching on TV or joining in on the live stream or online, if, if your health is keeping you away, then boy, I hope you'll keep on watching virtually with us. But if you're within driving distance and your health allows, I want to encourage you as this new school year begins to make it a point to be back in person in worship here at Ingleside. And I think you'll see and feel the difference and you'll be blessed as we gather week by week in Jesus' name. You know, um, I do say welcome today to everybody who's here and in our contemporary service and on TV and online. And as I've prepared for this morning and as I've been reading a chapter a day uh, through our chapter a day readings, and I hope you're doing that. Um, if you're not, uh, pull out your phone now and text the word chapter to 22828 and you'll be able to sign up. We're beginning, as we begin a new school year, uh, to read through the Gospel of Matthew. And as I've been reading through those first chapters, I was, 
I was just struck as I got to the end of chapter 3 and chapter 4, our readings on Friday and Saturday. It just left off the page at me. Uh, I thought, look at this. Um, Here is a time in Jesus' life when the page is turning and he's beginning a new chapter. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, you, you, you know something about the story of Jesus, don't you? I mean, you, you know the prophecies in the Old Testament that foretell his coming. You know the stories in Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2 about the miraculous birth of Jesus. And then the scripture is largely silent for several years until Jesus is 12 years old. We see this episode where he goes to the temple with his parents and they leave him behind and they reconnect and all that. And then there's just silence again until he's about 30 years old. And then when Jesus is about 30, he begins a new chapter. Now, whenever you read the Gospels, I I think you ought to be reading, looking and listening through three lenses The first one is the lens of uniqueness. Um, There are some things about who Jesus is and what he came to do and, um, and his mission of salvation that are unique to him. And we're to learn those and believe those and trust those. And it leads us to love him and trust him and follow him. But now watch this. In addition to the uniqueness of Jesus... He also is our example, an example that God intends us to follow. And he also gives us teaching that God intends us to obey. So like today in chapter a day, uh, we are reading chapter 5. It begins some of the most famous teaching of Jesus in the Bible. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So watch this. As we're reading through Matthew... We see the things that are unique about him. We see his example to follow, his teaching to obey. And as I was reading that, I thought, wow, look at this. Here's a handful of things that Jesus experienced when he began a new chapter. And then I thought, and it was confirmed this morning as I've been greeting people all morning long, there are an awful lot of us who are beginning new chapters that occur in a variety of ways. I I think one about everybody who's going back to school right now. This is the month of going back to school, and so a new school year begins, and every school year is something of the beginning of a a new chapter, uh, especially for students who are in a new grade or who have a new teacher or maybe go to a new school, moving from elementary to middle to high school, Or maybe you're older and you're beginning college or a graduate degree. Our educational calendar often prompts the beginning of a new chapter. And many in this room are experiencing that. For some who are employed in education, your role is changed. Or you're in a new classroom. Or you're teaching a different subject. Or you're in a new school. And by the way, let me just say, and I... 
uh, two weeks from today, on the 21st of August, is going to be the day at Ingleside where we publicly recognize, honor, and pray over everybody in education in our church and in our community. And so if you're a principal or a teacher or a coach or a counselor or a media person, whatever your role is, or people you know, I, w- I want to encourage you to invite them to be here two weeks from today so we can honor, pray over, bless, show appreciation to those who do that vital role of educating students in our community. But that's one way a new chapter begins, but it's not the only way. You know, as I've greeted folks this morning, uh, I bumped into people who have begun a new chapter because just in the last couple of months, they've moved to middle Georgia. I said, what brought you here? Was it job or or family or kids or grand? What, What brought you here? Well, it was a job, and that new chapter is beginning for them. And they said, we're here today to join out a a new church. Maybe that's you. Um, Maybe you're among the household moves that have been made over the summer. Or maybe you haven't moved physically, but you are beginning a new job. Or I met one couple who's their baby's due date is on Wednesday of this coming week. It's their first. I think they're about to have a new chapter. What do you think? I think they just don't know what is ahead. And then sometimes new chapters come when we really don't expect them or want them to in that way. I greeted someone this morning who told me about the friend that introduced me to a couple of years ago, and that friend passed away this past week. And it it will mark a new chapter beginning for that relationship with that person gone. And maybe you've lost someone you love, and so you're in a new chapter. You didn't really choose it, but it's come, or... uh, Marriage unraveled and um, a divorce has come and so it's a new chapter for you. Are you tracking with me today? New chapters come. So what should we expect when a new chapter comes? There are five things I want to give you out of Matthew 3 and 4 from the life of Christ. And so will you look at them with me? Here they are. Let me give them to you quickly today and let's apply them. Number one is this, that when we begin a new chapter, we should expect, we should expect to take new steps of obedience to God. When we begin a new chapter, we should expect We should just anticipate taking new steps of obedience to God. Let me show you that in Jesus' life when this new chapter began for him. Look at it. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, Oh, no, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him and said, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. 
And so John consented. He baptized Jesus. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Now, don't miss this. Here we have Jesus, the Son of God, who at 30 years old, God is saying, now is the time for a new chapter. And part of what will mark the new chapter is a new step of obedience. It'll be public, it'll be concrete, it'll be tangible, it will be open, it will be observable. I want you to go, my son, from Nazareth down to be baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, when we read this today, there's a little tension built in if you're acquainted with the Bible because you know that John was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And right alongside that, we know that Jesus was the sinless Son of God. So why in the world would the Father want his Son to go be baptized? He had no sin to repent of. Well, two or three reasons. One... By being baptized by John, he was affirming the preparatory ministry of John the Baptist in calling God's people to the Messiah, Jesus himself. The second thing he was doing was identifying with sinners he came to save. He was saying, no, I don't have any of my own sin to repent of, but I came to seek and to save those who are sinful and lost. And by being baptized by John, I'm identifying with them. And then thirdly, here it is, watch this. As this new chapter began, Jesus was in effect saying to the Father, whatever you say, I'll do. Whatever you say, I'll do. I'll be obedient to you. And so he was baptized. So it should be No surprise to us that what did the voice from heaven say? The voice of the Father said, this is my son, and with him I am well pleased. Why? Because that son was taking steps of obedience to the will of the Father. So now here's my question for you. If you're at the beginning of a new chapter, what is the next step of obedience for you in your walk with the Lord. I know on a Sunday morning like this, I'm speaking to a lot of men and women who've walked with the Lord for a long time. You were baptized long ago. You have participated in the life of the church for some time. But now I want to ask you something. When is the last time you took a new step of obedience in response to what God has shown you or taught you or called you to from the scripture. Can I tell you that if you will ask that question, it will change the way you read the Bible. Because instead of reading the Bible primarily with an information lens going on where you're saying, what does this mean? And that's not a bad lens. We want to know what it means. But instead, when we read the Bible every day, we should say, what is in this chapter that I need to obey, that I need to put into practice, that I need to 
allowed to change the way I think or speak or act or my values or my priorities or my worldview. And I just got to tell you that whenever, instead of you're just reading for information, you're in the process of taking new steps of obedience with every step of obedience. Guess what? You sense and feel the Father's pleasure, and he opens up more of himself, more of his plan to you. So now watch this. God uses the new circumstances of new chapters often to call us to new steps of obedience. But now I want to turn that one more way before we leave it. May I? New steps of obedience are not only what God calls us to when new chapters begin. Listen. New steps of obedience are also the cause, the tool that God uses to bring about new chapters in our life. See, I don't have any doubt there's some here this morning who are saying, Pastor, I'm not sure anything can be new for me. Look, I've been married two decades or more. I mean, my family matrix is well established and I've been in my job a long time and I've been coming to church here a long time and I, I, I'm, I'm just not sure. I'm, and truth be told, I feel a little stuck. But can I just say to you today, God may be saying this morning, look, I want there to be a new chapter for you spiritually in your relationship with me and its quality and its depth and its reality and its power. And that step and that next step is going to require new obedience. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you need to join the church. Maybe you need to be in a group. Maybe you need to serve in some way. Maybe you need to reorder how you use your money. Maybe you need to reorder your priorities or your time. I don't know what the step of obedience is. I just know that new chapters often lead to or often caused by. We should expect in those chapters to take new steps of obedience. Another way to say that is we shouldn't just look the part. We should actually be it and do it. How many of you have uh, running shoes or walking shoes or jogging shoes? Can I see your hand? Anybody in the room have those? Okay, most of all. How, how many of you uh, have uh, athletic wear? You know what I mean? It's sometimes called athleisure. You know, you see a person and you can tell it's athletic wear. How many of y'all got any athletic wear to go along with those athletic shoes? Yeah? Okay. How many of you think you know where this is going? <laughs> you know what I found out this week? I found out that the United States leads the world in spending for every segment related to physical activity. In 2018, our country spent $264.6 billion, with a B, billion dollars on physical activity. 
We've spent $37 billion on fitness classes, $58 billion on sports and recreation, uh, $37 billion on equipment and supplies, $10 billion on mindful movement like yoga classes, $8 billion on physical activity-related technology. But the biggest category, get this, we spent $117 billion bucks on athletic clothes and on athletic footwear. $117 billion. And yet when they did the result, <laughs> you know what they found? That a whole bunch of us, <laughs> we looked the part, but we never do it. In fact, four out of ten Americans don't even meet minimal standards of putting into practice the things the shoes and the athletic wear are for. And so, church family, today, I want to say as you're beginning a new chapter or as you want to begin a new chapter, put on your spiritual shoes, put on your spiritual clothes and actually take steps of obedience. Are you with me today? If you are, can I hear you say amen? Okay. Here's expectation number two. Let me give it to you quickly. If the first expectation when you begin a new chapter is to take new steps of obedience, the second is expect to face new temptations. Expect to face new temptations. Look at it. This is in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And he answered, It's written, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city sat him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to them, if you're the son of God, God will throw yourself down for it is written. He'll command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Don't miss it. Satan is quoting scripture wrongly, but quoting scripture to Jesus. And Jesus said, again, it's written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, thirdly, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you'll fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Now, there's so much there. One, the reality of the spiritual enemy who wants to trip us up and make us fall. The importance of scripture hidden in our heart with which we do combat with Satan, the sword of the spirit. Um, the example of Jesus in resisting temptation that we can follow. The thing I want you not to miss though is that when Jesus began a new chapter, it involved some new temptations that were a result of that new chapter beginning. You know, there are a lot of younger people connected to our church who this season of the year are going to begin new chapters. There are going to be new chapters on a college campus. There are going to become, be new chapters in the military. There are going to be new chapters in the work world. 
How many of you think there are going to be some new temptations that they're going to face? Well, yeah, there are. And so what I want to say today is whether you're young or old, that new chapters often bring new temptations. You know, I, I thought maybe this morning we'd just get the mic and I would go around and just let everybody say what your biggest temptation is. Well, maybe I should put it this way. How about you saying what your friend's biggest temptations are? <laughs> and some of you are saying, Pastor, you've come back a little bit over the top there. We're not going to have confession right here in front of all these people. But what is your biggest temptation? in this chapter or the new chapter that you're going to face. I saw a survey this week. 60% of people say their biggest temptation is to be overly worried or overly anxious. 60% say procrastinating or put things off. 55% say their biggest temptation is to eat too much. 44% say their temptation is to spend too much screen time, too much media time. 41% say their biggest temptation is to be lazy. 35% say biggest temptation is spending more money than they could afford. 26% says gossiping about others. 24% says being jealous or envious of others. 18% say viewing pornography or sexually explicit material. 11% say abusing alcohol or drugs. What's your biggest temptation? And are you yielding to it? When they ask those same people why they gave in to temptation, I was so fascinated by the responses. The top four were, number one was, I'm not really sure why I give in. Number two was to escape from or get away from real life. In other words, I yield to temptation to medicate my pain. The third, to feel less pain or loneliness. And then don't miss the last one. People said the reason I give in to temptation is to satisfy others' expectations of me. I feel pressure from those around me to say yes to that temptation. Listen, I just want to say to you today that by the Lord's grace, he has given us everything we need in Christ through the scripture, through the spirit, through the fellowship of his people, through the armor of God we put on spiritually every day to resist the devil and say no to temptations and to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Listen, you don't have to give in to whatever the temptation is in this new chapter. Well, there are three more things quickly that 
we should expect in a new chapter. One is to take new steps of obedience. Two is to expect uh, new temptations. Number three, write it in, is to expect that it may require a change in where we live. A change in where we live. Now, I want to show you that in Jesus' life. Look in verse 12, chapter 4. It says, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And then here it is, verse 13, in leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum. Did you see that? The town Jesus lived in, he left. The family he grew up with, he, he left. And he went to a new town, Capernaum, by the sea. In the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that was spoken, what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. And then the prophecy is given there in verse 15 and 16. We read it a few weeks ago. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And those dwelling in the region, the shadow of death, on them a light is dawn. In other words, it's saying Jesus is the light of the world. And as he's coming into this region of Capernaum and others, he's bringing the light of the gospel. And from that time forth, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Some of you are visual learners. Look at the screen. Here's a map. There's the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum's on the north. Nazareth is down to the left. It's 47 kilometers. It's 30 miles from Nazareth to Capernaum where he moved. Now, you say, well, that's not far at all. He didn't go far away from home. But if you had to walk that instead of drive that, that 30 miles is a long way. It'd take you all day to walk 30 miles, maybe a day and a half. Now, you can come back here from the map. I, I have a question. Is God prompting you to make a chapter change that might require changing where you live a household move? Now, some of you are saying, well, what are you trying to do, Pastor Tim? Encourage us all to move and to... To leave? Well, no, I don't want to do that. It may not be God's will for you to move because he may want you to stay right where you are. But he might. And would you be willing to do that? Oftentimes why we're not is because of fear. But new chapters mean overcoming our fear, trusting the Lord, and even making a geographical and physical move sometimes. It did for Jesus. Number four, write it in. When a new chapter begins, we should expect to develop new relationships. Jesus did that when he called disciples and apostles do you see it? Verse 18, walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. He said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets, followed him, and gone on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, John, sons of Zebedee. He called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Um, I know there's a unique sense in which Jesus is calling disciples and apostles. But there's something more here. It's a reminder that even for Jesus, God doesn't intend for us to live alone in isolation. He intends for us to live in community and have significant relationships. And so if you're in a new chapter, one of the challenges, one of the opportunities 
is going to be to invest enough to begin new life-giving relationships. That can occur in a church like this one. And then finally, number five, when we begin a new chapter, we should expect God's favor and blessing. We see that at the end of chapter 4. Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So what does the scripture say? His fame spread throughout all Syria. They brought him the sick, those afflicted with diseases, pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures, paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, from Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Now we know that's not the end of the story. We know after a year of obscurity and a year of popularity, then Jesus had a year of adversity that led him to the cross to die for our sins. But as he began this new chapter when he was 30, man, it was just filled with obvious signs of God's favor and God's blessing, God's provision, God's power. You know, as I have prayed for today, I have thought, and there are going to be people all throughout the worship room at Ingleside and on TV and online and in our contemporary service who are beginning new chapters. And I just want to pray for those who are beginning new chapters today. I've just felt impressed all week that I should give you a chance, and I will in just a moment, that if you're beginning a new chapter, you don't have to tell me or anybody else what that new chapter is or what the dimensions of it are. But if you're beginning a new chapter today and you would like me to pray over you and by your standing in just a moment, you would say, Pastor, I am beginning a new chapter and I really do need these things that you've talked about to occur for me. I want to take new steps of obedience. I want to resist temptation. I'll, I want to say yes to wherever the Lord wants to move me if he wants to do that. All the steps right on through. I want to build new relationships. I want God's favor. Then I want to invite you to stand. And by your standing, you're saying, I'm beginning a new chapter and I'd love for you to pray for me. Now, I know that won't be all of us. Some of us are we're sort of right in the middle of a long obedience in the same direction. It's okay, you can remain seated. But right now, if you want me to pray with them for you as you begin the new chapter in any of the ways we talked about, you just stand up right now all around the room. And as you stand, and by your standing, you're just saying, yeah, I'm beginning a new chapter, Pastor, and I'd love for you to pray for me. Yeah, I know, all around the room, I sense this all week, people saying, yeah, I, I, am, I am beginning a new chapter. And... I need the Lord's touch in that. I need him to guide me and provide for me and direct me. Let's pray together now. Father, I'm so thankful that you're faithful, that you're sovereign, that you're good, that you're wise. And Lord, your plan for us in every chapter of life, it's to bring about spiritual good, shape us more to the image of Christ, help us to bring more glory to your name. Your word teaches us that you work all things together for good, including the new chapters in our lives. And so I pray for 
the brothers and sisters, the men and the women who are standing all around this room. Lord, you know what the needs are. You know what the opportunities are. You know what the challenges are. And so I just want to pray that you'll grant favor and blessing and spiritual anointing and power and strength for all who are in a new chapter today. Lord, I thank you that you know what it's like to begin a new chapter. So you are a tender and sympathetic Savior. And I thank you, O Lord, that some who feel stuck and want a new chapter, that by turning to you today, they can be healed, they can be cleansed, they can be forgiven, they can be given a fresh start. I pray that you would grant that. So Lord, we pray this new chapter prayer today, full of faith, full of expectation, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.